it's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. So if you made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send them my way. Now, what do you get when you have a bunch of obsessed horror movie fans, and they find out that Dracula, Gilman, and the Wolfman are real? As well as the Mummy, I guess. Why, you get the Monster Squad. Why, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And holy shit, it's the start of season four. Uh, honestly, I can't believe it, and I can't believe I've put out, well, it's almost 100 episodes now, uh, which is pretty fantastic in and of itself, but that I've managed to make it this long without fucking tearing all of my hair out, or, you know, uh, lying dead in a ditch somewhere because I had to sit through Thanksgiving 3. Uh, but hey, we are here, and as with every single anniversary show, uh, it is a movie I really enjoy, and this time I'm in the driver's seat, uh, just by myself, and primarily because, well, you know, I kind of want to put something together for Halloween that I'll talk about at the end of this episode. Uh, it's not completely just for Halloween, it's our Halloween month. And if you've been listening to the show long enough, you know that every October, well, except for the initial one, but I end up doing four movies. Like, that's just the way that it goes, because it's a lot more fun. It's trying to keep it themed, and we have a theme, which you should know already. Uh, but we'll talk about all of that at the end of the show, as well as what is going to be special about next month and why I didn't do this episode with somebody. Next year, probably we'll invite somebody on to come and talk about some movie that I really love that I don't think is that terrible, but may be terrible to some. But Monster Squad is one of those movies where, again, I think if you grew up with this movie, you're gonna really love it. Like, it's hard for me to turn off those nostalgia blinders right away. Like, I'm, I really came to this movie thinking, okay, does it hold up? And I don't want to spoil it. We'll figure out what happens at the end of the episode. But this is a film that is available right now. And I think you should go out and watch it first. Not because there's anything major that's going to be spoiled in this. I kind of get, you know, most of you might know what this movie's actually about. Um, but, you know, there's something about it with the charm of the film that it's worth watching it before you listen to the podcast. But... If you're one of those that listens to this and then decides whether or not you want to watch the movie, go for it. I mean, you can go either way. I'm not going to say stop and go ahead and do it. Because honestly, this is a film that it doesn't need that experience. It's more or less, I want you to enjoy the movie like with a fresh set of eyes and ears. 
It's not necessarily one of these like, oh, there's some big fucking twist in here, and yeah, this movie's good, or yeah, this movie's bad, but I don't want to ruin a twist for you that maybe you makes you like the movie or whatever the fuck it is. No, this is something that it is pure just fun. I mean, the tagline is like, <laughs> when you know about ghosts, you know who to call, but when there's monsters, you call the Monster Squad. Like... It's that fucking, like, great and cheesy at the same time. I mean, the movie came out in 1987, so kind of on the heels of Ghostbusters. Not so much, really, but, you know, Ghostbusters 2 is just a little ways away. And uh, it's definitely a movie that shows its age. And not just in the way that things look. Like, right, you know, I've explained this before. I've made that comparison. Like, oh yeah, the nice TV, me bragging, humble brag, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But (laughs) where you watch it on like a newer TV and it's like, oh yeah, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm mostly talking about the dialogue. The dialogue and what you will hear in this. There are some lines in here. And funny enough, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, there's, it's, this is written by Shane Black, who also wrote if, uh, a couple of movies that you might remember and recognize. Well, he was in The Predator, the original one, and, uh, he was kind of just put in there to kind of be in there. Uh, hey, let's get one of the writers to just be in the film. Uh, but he recently wrote The Predator, right? And he directed it as well. And you can tell that he really hasn't lost his dialogue sense, uh, listening to The Predator and this. Um, you can also see, like, the nice guys, of course, Iron Man 3, but there are plenty of other movies that he's written as well. And this is one of his earliest works. And honestly, it is a sign of the times. I don't get, like, why they even use like certain types of language it was pg-13 so me seeing it when it came out is a miracle (laughs) like but then again honestly i was the type of kid that loved these old universal monster movies and to be quite frank this is the movie that fucking van helsing wants to be it wish it could be on this fucking level in fact he is even in this movie not hugh jackman but van helsing in general and you know what? It's a shame. It is a goddamn shame that he did go from being completely useless in this to also being completely useless in his own fucking movie. Like, <laughs> there's really no point to Van Helsing in this. He shows up in the beginning, and that's about it. That's a spoiler that you can get. Well, there is another point, but we'll talk about it when that time comes. But honestly, it's like... It's that culmination of the universal monsters. You have the mummy. You have Gilman. You have the Wolfman. You have Frankenstein. And you have Dracula. All rolled into one movie. All with their characteristics and little nods to them in small ways. I think Frankenstein honestly gets the biggest nod to his old films. And the one that's kind of utilized the worst is the mummy. Um, second, honestly, and it sucks for me to say, is the Gill Man. I think the Mummy actually gets a little more screen time than he does, but he's even more useless than the Gill Man is. At least the Gill Man does a couple cool little things, uh, comparison to what, you know, the Mummy gets to do and what happens to him in the film itself. But all in all, you know, it's a good representation of everybody. I don't think there's any bad one. Costumes, two bad like versions of themselves yeah is it a little cheesy yeah are they the stereotypical versions of themselves sure but it's fun it's entertaining that's what this movie is 
Like, I would say almost 100%. And this is really me hard, like, trying not to give you an idea of what I'm going to rate this movie at the end of the goddamn review. But, hey, this is, like, that nostalgic movie. And it really was... The the biggest thing that shocked me the most, besides the language... Um, and it really doesn't bother me. I'm just surprised. Like, I don't remember it. And I guess maybe with everybody being extremely sensitive about what type of things that you use, uh, it comes off as a little abrasive. I know there are going to be some people like, oh, well, fuck them. This is whatever. And, you know, to an extent, I actually do agree. Like, this movie couldn't be made today in the way that it's made. Not just because of the language, but a, because of a couple other things. They want to do something different to fucking jazz it up and just fuck everything up in general. But this movie, it would really be like... like I The best example I can give is the new Predator, okay? In The Predator. And I've already heard it from a couple different people in listening to other podcasts talk about it and blah, blah, blah. But there's a line in it where one of the characters says, man, that's retarded. And then, then the other guy says, hey, you can't say retarded because his kid's retarded, right? I'm paraphrasing here. And to me, that's a funny fucking line. I, I don't care. I laughed so goddamn hard in the theater. But I'm hearing people like, why Why do we need to say that? Like, that's stupid. That's not funny. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it kind of is. And you're calling me sp- stupid for fucking thinking it's funny. You know, fuck you. I like you, but in this case, fuck you. So, it's kind of one of those things, but I can understand why people might not like the way they use certain pieces of languages uh, in this film. But overall, you know, the humor shows through, the action shows through, and the costumes are great. The other thing that really shocked me about this film was the length. Do you know this film is only an hour, 22 minutes? And you gotta take at least 10 minutes away from, like, credits at the end of the film. So really this film is like an hour and 12 minutes. Maybe an hour and 15. It is a short fucking movie. And you know what? I fucking love that. You know why? Because we got through everything that we needed to do. So many films have paper thin plots like this film does. They don't get through it. They pad. We gotta make sure we make that at least that hour and a half I'm looking at you wish upon. Where you can cut shit out. Maybe make it. You get a theatrical release. Would you guys ever believe there would be a movie that would be released theatrically nowadays that would only be 72 minutes? That's it? An hour and 22 minutes. Sorry. Uh, not 72 minutes. <laughs> 82 minutes. Man, I can fucking math today. So anyway, but 82 minutes. Like, that's unheard of. You barely find movies that are 90 minutes long. You go and you see a piece of shit horror movie, and especially when it hits the theaters, and it's like two hours long. Because the first act takes an hour of the movie, the second takes the next half hour, and then the last half hour, maybe it doesn't even, the second takes 40 minutes, and the last act is 20. And that's it. You're fucking done. Right? Here, 122 minutes. 100 and, you know, like I said, maybe that's where I thought about the 72. Uh, without credits, let's say 75 minutes. You're done. You get all three acts. Everything's resolved. Everything is entertaining. That's it. Man, what the fuck? This is ingenious. Who thought about this? Oh, 1980 fucking seven did. Not nowadays. So, 
Anyway, I also want to say, I know that's not the intro song for the film, okay? They do a little something. Um, I just really like that song, to be honest. And it's a good representation of the film. There are only two, like, word songs. The soundtrack for this movie is great, right? The orchestral soundtrack is fucking fantastic. Uh, but there's two songs that are, like, typically 80s. One is typically, like what people think is cool rap 80s, and then that, like, rock montage uh, right in the middle of the film. And I thought, well, you know what? Better represent the film, because both represent the film very well. Let's do the rock at the beginning, and then we're going to do the rap part at the end. You're not going to hear all of them. This isn't a Howard the Duck situation, okay? But if you want to, go out, find them. Um, so... Let's go ahead and just begin with the film. And it opens up with the text scroll. And the text, it basically says that 100 years before the story begins, it was a time of darkness in Transylvania. A time when Dr. Abraham Van Alsing and a small band of freedom fighters conspired to rid the world of vampires and monsters and to save mankind from the forces of evil. And then it goes dot dot dot. They blew it. And that's a great way to start the fucking movie. Uh, and it delves you right in, and you see Van Helsing and his crew just coming fucking kicking down the door, staking some vampire wife of Dracula, and then getting a lady to start reading something from her magic amulet or wherever the fuck is going on. Now, it's kind of hard to understand what's going on there with all the crap and stuff going on in the background, but she's reading from a scroll in German, and that's kind of a spoiler, but who really fucking cares about that? All you need to know is that they fail in some way, shape, or form. She gets sucked into the portal, Van Helsing gets sucked into the portal, and then all of a sudden we go to normal day, every day, 1987. Now, I would say modern day, but um, that's a good, what, 20 fucking years ago, so it's no longer modern day. But we close up in onto a school, and we see that two boys are in the principal's office, and they're in trouble for drawing something. Well, well, well. Are you two sitting comfortably? Good. Now, gentlemen, do you see these file folders? The ones with your names on them? Can you guess what's in these file folders? I'll give you a hint. Discipline reports. Lots of them. And some wonderful artwork as well. This is... Spider with human head? I'm sorry, spider? With human head. Yeah, he eats dogs and cats and rabbits. Does he? Sean thought him up. You see, sir, we kind of have this monster club, okay? And we draw those pictures to put on our clubhouse walls. Correction, Mr. Crenshaw. You draw pictures during Mrs. Carlson's science class when you're supposed to be paying attention. Wait, I just want to say one thing. I mean, Miss Carlson's a nice teacher and all, but she's boring and has an odd-shaped head. That's why Sean and the guys call me Omix, because her head's shaped like a cat head. But I don't, sir, because how rude. Okay, so that's Patrick and Sean. Now, the first thing I want to say... That's fucking Spider-Man. That's the Spider-Man fucking symbol that you got there. Maybe not the current one, but it looks like the old school fucking Spider-Man symbol with the head on top. You're not really fucking original, boys. Second, Patrick, 
Fuck you. No, not just you, Patrick. This Patrick. Honestly, you're fucking throwing your friend under the bus already? Like, she's odd, and she's really fucking boring because one, it's science class, and we like fucking monsters, and two, she looks like a cat. So we call her Meow Mix. Meow, 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 meow. They actually make that joke in a bit, but I wasn't going to go through with it. But honestly, like, this is the way that you spend your time in school. Like, I get it. Science can be boring. Maybe you guys are more lit nerds like I was. But honestly, come on. You can pay attention a little in class, and you're basically throwing your friend under the bus. Like, look. We do these things because they do that. Well, he thought of it. Oh, well, you know, she's got an odd-shaped head and it looks like a cat. That's why they call her Meow Mix. Well, I don't, but the guys do. I would have fucking socked his fucking face right there. Just, oh, yeah, you're throwing me under the bus because you don't want to get in fucking trouble? What is this, fucking it? Your mom's a fucking hypochondriac or some shit with her Munchausen syndrome putting it on top of you and you don't want to be in fucking trouble so you're going to blame everybody else? Fuck you, Patrick. Yes, that Patrick, not this Patrick. Anyway, so we continue and we find out actually how cool and hip this principal is. Twice? I hear you! <laughs> I was a kid once. I thought monsters were cool. And maybe, well, well, gosh, maybe I'm just a big kid because Sean, Patrick, I think science is cool. I dig it, man. <laughs> Now, I'm sure both of you know a great deal about monsters, but that's not the issue here. The issue is, science is real. Monsters are not. We don't know that, sir. Honestly, Sean is correct. We don't really know the monsters aren't real. In fact, monsters are pretty real. They just don't have necessarily a monstrous form, right? Secondly, you're not cool. You're not hip. You're not with it. I mean, you're not even using the right type of language for the day. Wouldn't it have been, like, radical and everything's like cowabunga, dude? That's what kids said in the 80s, right? Like, they mimic Ninja Turtles and that type of bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit, but you know what I'm saying. He could have used better words. I'm with it, man. I dig it. What kid in the 80s was using dig it? You know, I was very close to their age in this movie. They're like 11, maybe 12 in this film. And... Honestly, I don't remember. It was like cool and hella. That was about the extent of things. Or, like I said, it was rad. Like, I get it. I'm with it. It's radical to like monsters. But you know what else is rad? Science is rad. You know? I'm totally with it. They actually cast, like, the perfect guy to be, like, this awkward fucking principal to have these fucking weird pieces of dialogue. It's great. I fucking love it. So we go outside from here. And we get to meet the fat kid, Horace. From now on, we'll just be called the fat kid. And he's being bullied by some, well, bullies out there on the playground. And let's see if you can catch what I was talking earlier with the language of this film. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our show. Tonight's question, what makes fat kid fat? Fat kid? Get out of here, EJ. Get out of here, Jim. Mm, nope. Not a good no, answer. Doesn't make any sense. Let's go to our man on the street, Derek. Hi, I'm Derek, and I'm in the street where Fat Kid is blocking traffic. Fat Kid, can't you stop eating? Look, I have a glandular problem, okay? At least I don't have a stupidity problem. Did you say faggot? What'd you say? My name's Horace. Horace. 
Oops. That's all right. I guess I must have a stupidity problem. What'd you say, faggot? What'd you say? Such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Rudy. EJ. See, you met my friend Horace. You okay? Rudy, I... Shh. You dropped your candy bar, EJ. It's his. It's yours now. Rudy. Eat. Rudy, I'm not gonna see Eat you. Eat up. Rudy. And we'll call it a day. That's right. You got it. You heard in there. He called the kid stupid. You can't do that nowadays. They're going to fucking get all over you. You can't, like, just because he's got a learning disorder, and that's probably why he's a bully at home, right? His dad doesn't help him with the homework, or maybe he's in a single-parent family or some shit like that, and maybe he just has a learning disability. You can't call him fucking stupid. So we need to go back, and we need to make sure we change the language. Oh, no, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was the fact that, like, he called him an asshole. You can't have kids this at that age calling each other assholes. That's just not fucking right. Wait a second. No. Uh, yeah, we all know what it is. It's because he's calling him a faggot, okay? And he's calling a homo. And he's used it a bunch in just this little scene. Like, it's odd to me because you don't hear those type of things unless they're specifically trying to bring some type of point home that this guy is a true homophobe. But honestly, you used to have those games on the playground that you used to play right back in the day. Everybody fucking played Smear the Queer. That was just something that we did as boys and, you know, some of us were girls. And, and we went along with it. We didn't think anything was different. But, you know, as times change, the way that we treat everybody changes. It's a little different. Some people agree with it, some people don't. But I could see why people fucking do it. And then you've got Rudy here, who is the quote-unquote bad kid. How do I know he's the bad kid? Well, they're stereotypically 80s bad kid things. First, he's wearing a leather jacket, and he rides up on his bicycle. Meant to be a motorcycle, but hey, he's in junior high. He's not going to be able to ride one of those really quick. But he enters on the screen, and he's got those, like, shit-kicking boots, and, you know, he's wearing the jeans, and he looks all fucking metal rock-type guy. And then he takes the, uh, uh, he has, a like, a match, and he lights it off of his cigarette, and he starts to light the cigarette that he has. That's right, he's got a cigarette, so that means he's the badass, too. And he goes to light it, and then it cuts away where you see EJ here, uh, played by some kid that stole Pee-wee's bike in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And so that kid definitely needs to have his fucking ass fucking whooped because you should have given Pee-wee's bike back right away and not kept it for your stupid scene, you little fucking kid. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> he... When he cuts back over to Rudy, he's who has supposedly lit the cigarette and is smoking it, um, the end is not lit. At all. It is black. It's been lit, but somebody went over there and definitely put it out. Come on, this is back in the 80s. They let kids smoke in movies back in those days, didn't they? Oh, they didn't? Oh. Oh, damn it. So, Rudy goes ahead and makes him eat that candy because you shouldn't have stole fucking Pee-wee's bike, you stupid fag. I mean, uh, this movie is really getting to me. So he forces him to eat the candy bar, and he should be actually pretty glad that it wasn't a piece of, like, cat shit on the ground that he made him eat. 
But we, I digress, and we cut over and we see that uh, both Patrick and Sean, they're walking back home, and they're talking about, well, Wolf Dick. I told you before, Wolfman cannot drive a car. Yes, he can. No, he can't. Yes, he can. All I'm saying is, Sean, he could if he had to. He could not. You're being such a dork. I know you are, but what am I? A dork? I know you are, but what am I? Oh, great, a thief. A dork? I know you are, but what am I? A dork? I know you are, but what am I? Infinity. Look, Wolfman doesn't go to work. He's not like a guy. What are you talking about? He walks around, he wears pants. He had to wear pants, because those movies were made in the 40s. He had to wear them so you wouldn't see his wolf dork. Wolf dork? Yeah, come on, it's Dick. It's fucking penis. It's cock. It's not fucking dork. Dork's on a fucking whale. You should all know this by now. But I digress. We also meet in this scene Phoebe for the very first time. And Phoebe is the most annoying fucking five-year-old girl that I've ever seen. Like, her voice is fucking like nails on a chalkboard times 15. I know, I know, she's just a little kid, but... God damn it, I can't fucking stand it. Like... Oh, it's why? Oh, see me, Oh no, mom said that you should. Fucking shut the fuck up! I hope Dracula fucking yells at you or tries to bite your neck of some fucking stupid shit, you little bit. Okay, can't call a five-year-old a bitch. That's not the right thing to do. She's only five. She may be older now. She is probably much older now. But at the time of the movie. She was really young, okay? She's not a bitch. Okay. So they find also across the street that there's an old, like, creepy German guy that lives in this place, and everybody's afraid of him. And then there's some smart-aleck little comment that, that we're no longer in war with Germany, and Phoebe says, well, we're in war with Vietnam. They're like, huh? And she's like, haven't you seen Rambo? And I'm like, don't you know that Rambo's fucking fake? But then again, Dracula, I guess, is fucking real, so maybe Rambo's real in this world, too. Uh, from here, we go into the skies, and we see that they're parapilots, and they're busy bringing some type of cargo. They start complaining, well, the main pilot is complaining that he has to, you know, transport a bunch of dead guys uh, in different crates and stuff, and the other guy's like, look, would you rather have fucking bitchy-ass passengers, or would you rather just, you know, take this cargo and fly it across the country or across the world? And then the other pilot realizes, hey, you know what? That's not that bad. Uh, honestly, it's pretty good. But they hear some noises from back inside the cabin. So they go back there, and what happens? Dracula pops out, and they get into a little fight. He tries to dump Dracula, which, again, doesn't make any sense. I know you see this guy. I guess, maybe, how much is that cargo worth to you, right? Isn't Dracula paying these guys a hefty amount to transport him and whatever is in that piece of cargo all the way to wherever this nondescript city is. Like, what's going on here? So, of course, he tries to dump Dracula by hitting the switch, but ends up dumping some of the cargo out, and then Dracula floats because, pff, bitch, he can fly, and he gets away and leaving the pilots up in the air. Meanwhile, back on the ground... Uh, we see that Rudy is now joined with Horace and everybody else, and they're trying to initiate him into the Monster Squad by giving him a quiz. Two ways to kill a vampire. Good one, Frankie. Uh, Excellent question. Stake through the heart. Right. What else? Oh, real good. Eugene. I wasn't talking. Eugene. Get him a muzzle, will ya? You guys meet up here a lot, or, uh... Every day. Do we meet up here a lot? Oh, Eugene. Ew. Man. 
Eugene, make Pete shut Do up. Do you really shut think up, that was Pete? a good question? Oh, come on. Rudy, are you going to listen or look out the window? I told you you didn't want to be on the club. Lighten up, Patrick. No way. Hey, we're trying to do the test deal here. You're going to piss him off. I'm beginning to like this club. Rudy! Come on, it's a monster test. It's important, okay? Second way to kill a vampire. Mm, I give up. Daylight. Sunlight. Uh -huh. Fat kid, what other kind of light is there during the day? Go away, Pete. Okay, question two. Is Frankenstein the name of the monster or the guy who made him? The guy. Right. Can't you read? Mom says you have to let me in the club or else it's prescription. That's discrimination, jerkoid. Prescription's drugs, which are on if you think you're getting up here. Come on, son. I know about monsters. Two ways to kill a werewolf. Silver bullet? And? That's it. Shoot him with a silver bullet. Nope. Sorry, Rudy. <laughs> okay, so what's the other way? What? Second way to kill a werewolf. Um, car crash? Accident with power tools? Old age? Falling out a window? Onto a bomb? Sean, BB, dinner! Oops, gotta go. So, those questions are relatively easy, right? There really only is one way to kill Wolfman that I know of, honestly, and that's you know, your stereotypical silver bullet. But honestly, all of the questions, how do you kill Dracula? Well, depending on what version of Dracula you're talking about, are you talking about, like, Blade Trinity Dracula, where he can basically be anywhere and he's just got to be killed by a virus, or are you talking about Dracula 2000 Dracula, where it's all complete bullshit and everything's made up, like, whose line it is anyway? Are you talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula, where... That's kind of where we get everything with the, you know, impale in the heart. Are you talking about, like, Castlevania Dracula, where doesn't matter what the fuck you do, he's always going to be coming and fight back because the fucking cultists are everywhere? Which Dracula are you fucking talk about, kid? Well, we're pretty much sure that we're talking about stereotypical Dracula, right? So, steak in the heart, sunlight, maybe garlic might do something to him. Maybe if you have holy water, you have a cross, uh, you have a flying act. No, that might actually be Castlevania's Dracula once again. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, it's just like, you're gonna let these people in, it's the most stereotypical quiz ever. And of course, Rudy's not so much interested in the quiz, the reason that he wants to be in the clubhouse is because there's a random girl across, and you can see right into her window, and she just leaves it open all the time, for every time they go to this goddamn window, she is changing. In one way, shape, or another, she is just getting out of her clothes. And for being supposedly a teenager, one, we're ogling in on a teenager who's still in high school, two... She has really nice lingerie for a teenager in high school. Like, honestly, that's the type of shit somebody would buy. This is like stereotypically like 80s lingerie, okay? It's very frilly. It's got the little flowers. Yes, I spent way too much time analyzing what exactly she was wearing. It wasn't anything like Leah Thompson was wearing. No, that's a lot fucking hotter than this. But at the same time, it's like, man... To be a kid back then, why would your mom buy you that shit? Or why would your dad allow you to have that shit in your fucking clothes? Unless you were hiding that shit, then okay, I guess so. But anyway, he pretty much agrees to join the club so that he can look at tits. And honestly, with these people in this club, I would be looking at tits too instead of, like, <laughs> talking about monsters the entire time. So Sean then goes back home, and he is greeted by his mother, who bought him something from garage sale. But first, she makes a really, really stupid error between two types of monsters that pisses me the fuck off. 
Ah, ah, ah. Wash up for dinner, guys. Boing guy, boing guy, boing guy, boing guy. What's this, Mom? Huh? Oh, I got that for you today at Jane Burge's garage sale. It says it's from that old house up on Shadowbrook Road. Holy shit. Uh, so, cow, I'm sorry. Mom, do you know who wrote this book? Yeah, it's what, Van Helsing something. Now, he's the one that fights Godzilla, right? Dracula, Mom. Well, then which is the really tall one? That's Godzilla. Abraham von Helsing. This is great. <laughs> this, this is German. Okay, okay. If the mistake was between Frankenstein and Dracula, I'd be okay with it. Because Frankenstein is pretty tall. He would be considered to be the tall guy. Eight foot tall Frankenstein. Dracula is probably about six feet. Maybe a little bit higher. He probably could dunk. Not just with the wings and turning to a bat type thing, but he probably could dunk. Now, Frankenstein, he's fucking Shaquille O'Neal on the floor, okay? You know, and then, then there's fucking Godzilla. Godzilla. Fucking stories high. And he's the fucking tall one? I know it's a stupid joke. I know it's supposed to be a stupid joke. But come on! There's only one person that's as tall as Godzilla, and that's Charles fucking Barkley. Do you see when fucking Godzilla put the moves on his ass? Fucking dunked right over him, using that fucking tail and everything. But honestly, Godzilla and Dracula, how do you confuse the two? Van Helsing is a vampire fucking hunter. That's what he is. I, I know you may not be like, oh, I'm not totally up on my Van Helsing, but she's close. At least shows that she has some type of interest into what the kid is into, which happens to be monsters and shit like that. But no, no, she has to confuse Dracula with fucking Godzilla. Anyway, so from here we see him go off and go upstairs to talk to his dad. Who, he's trying to convince him to let him go out, see a fucking horror movie that night. But of course, there are other plants. Now, I want you to take a good listen to the scene, and I'll talk about a little more of my thoughts about what this scene truly means. Shouldn't you cooks today? I'm afraid not. But I still may if you don't wash up for dinner. What's on your mind? Well, Dad, uh, some of the guys and me, well, maybe you can go see Groundhog Day Part 12 tonight. Only if it's okay with you. Is it, please? Oh, we got a problem. No way! Yes way! Gotta go out with your mother tonight. You got a certain five-year-old sister in these babies. Oh, come on, Dad. I'm waiting all year to see this movie. Easy, pal. It's only a movie. Look, tomorrow night, you and I will go see Groundhog Day. I'll get him early. Tomorrow night? That'll be too late. The guys will blab the entire plot. Plot? Did I hear plot? Sean, it is a guy with an axe. Anyway, I thought they killed him in the last one. They did. And he returns from his grave. He returns from the grave? Sean, he always returns from the grave. If they blew him up, put his head in a blender, and mailed the rest of the pieces to Norway, he would still return from the grave. That was part seven. You want to know what the plot is? It's a plot to separate you from my five bucks. I want to see a stupid movie. Well, you can't. You're babysitting. Fine. Can I have five bucks anyway? Absolutely. So where are you going tonight? Marriage counselor. Again? I thought you quit smoking. Sure. Soon. I love you dearly, but do me a favor. Put your basic lid on it. Okay, so 
it's not necessarily the content that I want you to, like, the context, I guess, of this whole scene, right? You see the things, he's trying to convince his dad, hey, I want to go to see a horror movie. It really has nothing to do with the plot in general, right? Other than you learn that his mom and dad, maybe they're on the rocks. Does it really equal anything? No, it really doesn't, to be honest with you. It's talked about in the next scene, and there's a scene later on in the film, but for the most part, it doesn't seem to have any type of effect on his life, like, at all, completely. Uh, but when it comes to the movie in general, what I view this scene is, uh, like, completely as, it's horror fans, in general. See, he's very excited to go see this movie, and this movie, he knows everything about the franchise. If you just take out whatever it's called, Ground Horror, Groundhog Horror, or whatever the fuck it is, Bill Murray might be in it, who knows if it's Groundhog related. But, the fact that it's like, and it's called Groundhog too, you has to give you some type of inkling, like, the same thing's gonna happen again. He's gonna come back to life, he's gonna kill a bunch of people, and that's kinda what his father is saying. But if you take a franchise like, uh, you know, let's say Friday the 13th, it's the same movie. Jason comes back somehow, kills a bunch of people, but people that are truly fans of it, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna see it again. You know what, I'm going to see the next version of fucking Jason that comes out if it's another Friday the 13th movie. You know, a reboot happens, you go see it anyway. Friday the 13th is a great fucking example because you had this series, it got to one point, and it got ridiculous. One of them is okay towards the end, but for the most part, you're like, uh. Then you get The New Nightmare, which is a great piece of film, and then you had the reboot. A lot of people saw it because you know why? It was going to be Freddy again, and they didn't like it, but they'll see it, and they'll see the next version of A Nightmare on Elm Street that comes out. Maybe it won't be the same, but you know what? We're going to keep going back, and this is one of those things that I really like about the horror community. It's the same way I view with the metal community. You know, it doesn't really matter what it is as long as it's horror or it's metal, right? It can be really, like, it's going to be the same film. Oh, my God, you can tell when something's going to be complete and utter shit. And it's one of the reasons why I do this fucking podcast. It's all summed up in this one fucking quote, right? It doesn't matter what it is. I want to go see this with my friends. I'm going to enjoy it no matter what because it's a horror or it's a monster movie. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. I'm always going to go back. And that specific one is the greatest example of the community that we have together. So I digress from that, but I really fucking love that example of that quote. And that's just my feeling in general. So they go downstairs and they get ready to have dinner and then all of a sudden there's a call on the phone and some guy is screaming that he's a werewolf and he needs to be locked the fuck up and it causes the dad to go downtown because he's a fucking cop and of course they have to go to marriage counseling and the wife is hell upset because he's got to go and she's like well what about me you have to understand it maybe this isn't marriage counseling because your marriage is not working for whatever but the fact that He's a fucking cop, and there's shit that's going down, something important, and he has to be there. He's getting called in. If he, most cops, if they're on like the detective beat, or you know they have to be a part of these things and then get called in, they don't have a choice. Either he doesn't have a job, or you get to have your marriage fucking counseling. You don't get fucking both. Maybe, you know, there's another time they could set with it, but at least she could fucking understand, and it sucks that she doesn't fucking understand. Down at the station, we see that the werewolf guy, he's basically trying to get them put away, and they don't want to put him in a fucking cell, and he's like, 
just lock me up. There's a full moon. What the fuck is going on with you people? And eventually they hold him down. They make him stare at the full moon. And then he starts getting some of his wolf strength and starts beating the shit out of everybody. Ultimately grabbing an officer's gun and then getting himself fucking shot. From here we jump over into the museum and we see that, hey, the mummy, he has disappeared too. So let me get this straight. You telling me there was this 2,000 year old mummy here, right? Yes, sir. But now he's not here. He's gone. Vanished. History. And you're saying you didn't hear anybody come in here or leave. Is that right? Can you hear me now? Hello? I can hear you fine. So nobody took the money. I would have heard them. Of course he would have. What a stupid question. Did you take him? No, sir. Just a shot. That's it, Bill. This case is too hard, man. Let's be firemen instead. I'm glad you're getting major laughs out of this, Rich. The problem is, 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. Now, you might recognize the voice of the guy that's doing a bunch of fucking, like, random jokes. That happens to be Stan Shaw. Now, Stan, he hasn't been in, in a whole lot. He's not really a forefront actor, but the most recent thing that he's been in is fucking Jeepers Creepers 3, where uh, maybe one of these days we'll touch on that, but... Oh, complete, utter, worthless waste of your time. And I was surprised to even remember that he was in this film. And, like, it was like that. I totally pointed him out. I'm like, oh, that's the dude from Jeepers Creepers 3. Oh, that sucks at the, what you're going to be remembered for for the rest of your life now. So, the mummy is shown walking outside and walking away, of course. And who knows where he's going. We go back and we see the ambulance is carrying the werewolf guy. And all of a sudden, you know, they're talking in the front seat, and then the moon shows out, and he starts transforming to the werewolf, ultimately breaks out of the emergency vehicle, and gets away. We then cut over to the dad's buddy in his cop car. He's getting another caller to tell that the wolfman has run away, and that there's more missing people. We then cut over into the swamps, and we see that everybody has gathered together. The mummy, Dracula, and the wolfman. And then we see the water starting to bubble. We see the crate that was dropped from the sky starting to rise out. And who has it but Gilman is bringing out Frankenstein's monster from the water. Now, for the rest of the movie, I'm just going to call him Frankie or Frankenstein. I know that's not the right nomenclature for him, but fuck it. It's just easier. And they end up calling him Frank. It's funny because the first time they like, man, it's the Frankenstein's monster. And then they call him Frank or Frankie for the rest of the film. I don't fucking get it. Now, the makeup here, I should say, looks really good. Everybody but fucking Dracula. And maybe the mummy for a little bit. But I like the costumes. I like the Wolfman's costume for 1987. Looks great. The Gillman is fucking fantastic. I love it. The face itself doesn't move a whole lot. But it's the fucking Gillman. Who fuck cares? It looks fucking great. And everybody knows that my bias is going to be towards him for this entire movie. But Dracula really looks like a cheesy fucking Dracula. Like they were trying to go with a Bell Lugosi type guy. But nobody can fucking top Lugosi. Like at all. So he basically brings Frankenstein back to life. And with this sweet ass fucking staff that has like an electrical charger. And works as a fucking lightning rod to get the lightning energy to fucking charge Frank up. But at the same time, like, doesn't it shock the shit out of Dracula? I know that he's undead, but you think that he'd, like, waver or that the, like, fucking electricity would go through him. Or that staff is perfectly in tune in transmitting the electrical energy that a fucking lightning bolt can do that doesn't do anything to him at all. 
Well, if it doesn't, great, because that is the most marvelous piece of fucking engineering I have ever seen. And that came from a hundred fucking years ago, so hats off to those fucking engineers that fucking Dracula hired way back in the day. From here, we cut back over to the house, and we see that the mom is tucking in Phoebe, and she gives her this weird speech about a candle, and the whole time, I'm just thinking, like, that kid's gonna knock that shit over and burn the whole fucking house down. And you put the candle next to your bed like this. Your mom did this when you were a little girl? Uh Uh-huh. It means I love you, and as long as it's here, nothing bad can happen. Sean says when at lightning's monsters come. Oh, he's just trying to scare you, honey. Will lightning hit the house? No. The candle keeps it away? That's right. Say goodnight to Scraps. Goodnight, Scraps. Goodnight, Emily. Goodnight, sweetheart. Are you going to yell at him? Honey, I love your father. What? I mean, Sean, for scaring me. Of course you did. I'll talk to him about it, sweetheart. Sweet dreams. So she goes downstairs and yells at her dad for basically going out there and skipping on the fact that they were going to do marriage counseling. Sean is kind of creeping in in the kitchen. He's trying to go get his uh, little diary or whatever, and he's going to sneak out to go join the other boys outside in the Monster Squad treehouse, but... He comes across a message that's left on the wall by the phone. The message is really weird. It says, For Sean, message from Mr. Alucard, uh, interested in Van Helsing diary, possibly dollars. And there's a quote, quotation marks of, uh, school, not quotation mark, parentheses, with school with question marks at the end of it. Um, and then Sean sits at the table and tries to decipher what Mr. Alucard could possibly mean. What is Alucard? A miserable pile of secrets? Come on, what could be possibly going on here? Well, it's actually kind of a throwback to one of the older Dracula movies. Off the top of my head, and I know people are probably going to yell at me and tell me which one it is, but that's how they discovered Dracula, because it's Alucard spelled backwards. Or I guess you should say it's the other way around. Alucard is Dracula spelled backwards. And Sean takes... A little bit too long to spell it out. I mean, he misses up like four fucking times trying to solve this fucking anagram, and you just gotta write it backwards. Come on. You you fucking got it. What the fuck is wrong with you? So he decides that he's gonna call everybody together. In the meantime, we go over to Eugene's house, and Eugene wakes up his dad from his bed because he's seen something in his bedroom. What? There's a monster in my closet. Damn, son, look at all of these monsters. Come on, all of you monsters, out of here. Everyone, out of this room. Come ah, ah. You, on the bed. Come on, out, out, take a hike. There he goes. You see any more monsters in the closet? Sure, we can go into the closet. We can do that. Okay, monsters. Ooh, look at that big, scary monster. Ooh. Listen, you are not going to sleep with your mother and me tonight so you can forget it and keep this up. And you're not going to look at those monster magazines. Understand? 
of course, inside the closet is the mummy. And the mummy must have some weird type of, like, teleportation powers. Because once his father leaves the room, and you can hear a little bit in the background of the monster opening up the closet. And the rest of the time, he's really fucking slow. But this time, he's managed to already be walking out of the room just right after. Like, literally after the door closes, you hear it open up a little bit, and then he's gone. Like... How does he teleport so fastly in different spots, but yet he walks up to fucking Frankenstein and Dracula and everybody, and he's slow as fucking shit. I just don't get it. So after this little funny interlude, we get to see everybody in the treehouse, and Sean has called together what he is now calling the Monster Squad for reals. Okay, we're all here. What's the deal? Yeah, what the hell's Monster Squad? It's us. We're the Monster Squad. Since when? Since now. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. Look, I think there's monsters. Like real ones. I heard my dad talking on the telephone to a guy down at the police station. There was a guy screaming he was a werewolf. And they shot him. Then the body disappeared from the corner van. The corner guy was dead. So what? He got shot and a werewolf took his body? No, you peanhead. He was a werewolf. Maybe. But if they shot him... It must have been regular bullets, not silver ones. Look, I know this will sound pretty stupid, but a mummy disappeared from the museum tonight. Mummy came in my house. And you guys, Dracula might be here too. Aw, oh, man, fat kid farted. Can't you hold it? God damn it, would you shut up? Did you hear a word I said? The guys are dead. Get a clue? Something's out there and it's killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's going to do a thing about it but us. So what do we do? I think this book might be important. Look, it's Van Helsing's diary. My mom said they found an old house on Shatterbrook Road. But I can't read it. It's all in German. My sister takes German in high school. Sister doesn't speak German. All she does is hang around and let guys touch her tits. <laughs> sister wouldn't happen to live next door, would she? Yeah, so what? That girl's your sister? So what do you say? Are we monster squad? Or what? Okay, so this is really awkward, too, because, like, the the girl, you know, like I said it earlier, literally, and even Rudy is fucking amazed, that the girl next door is Patrick's fucking sister, and Patrick's sister is kind of a whore, if you think about it, because she leaves her windows open, she dresses in front of him, and she doesn't really seem to care. Now... That's kind of what's implied. I'm not necessarily saying that Patrick's sister's a whore, but she has whore tendencies. If you like, look at everything that's going on. I find the line really fucking funny that he's like, well, all he, all she does is let guys touch her tits. And it's like, I have to laugh. But again, that's something that probably wouldn't be said in a, like a modern day version of this film, which, you know, this is kind of the charm that this film has. And that's what makes this film, like, so 80s, is something like that. So they all put their hands together and join together as the Monster Squad, as well as the dog, too. It's really funny because every one of the kids' hands is relatively small until Rudy's go on there, and then all of a sudden he's got the much bigger hands of everybody, and then you get Pete the Beagle to add there in there. And at the end of it, you hear Rudy say, How did the dog get in here? And honestly... I've been kind of wondering that, too. Like, Eugene, that's his dog. Pete belongs to him. And he's a beagle. He's not a very big beagle. He looks like a young beagle. But still, how did he climb up the tree? Did Eugene bring him up? 
because there's no way that he is the youngest out of every member of the monster squad and there's no way he would have been ever to like carry them i don't see any type of pulleys there's nothing to bring the goddamn dog up but hey they somehow caught him into the tree and that's fucking hilarious that rudy even points it out we then go back to dracula's villa uh his mansion whatever the place is that he's staying at right now, and we see him talking to Frankie, and he tells Frankie that the kids have Van Helsing's book, and he needs them to get the kids, and no matter what, if you have to kill the kids, kill the kids. Then we cut over to the next morning, and we see that the fat kid and Patrick and Sean, they're all outside of the German guy's house, because, well, that's probably the only guy that's going to be able to translate this book. Gentlemen, I'd just like to say three words. Scary... German guy. Who else are we going to get to translate this thing? Come on, somebody go up and knock. You knock, you're our leader. Firstly, he's scary, okay? And B, he's German. Maybe he doesn't even speak English. Okay, so what's German for? Please don't murder us. Bitte, morden Sie uns nicht. So... That's pretty damn good German, and he scares the living shit out of the kids. But from here, we cut over to a lake, and we see that Phoebe is hanging out by the side of it. And then who happens to come up behind her, but none other than Frankenstein. I mean, Frankenstein. Uh, no, maybe it's Frankenstein. Frankenstein? Well, anyway, Frankenstein's monster pops up behind her, and I have seen this before. Where have I seen this before? Oh, yeah! In the original Frankenstein where he meets the little girl. And oh my god, Phoebe, you need to get the fuck out of there right now because Frankenstein doesn't know what the fuck he needs to do. He's gonna think that you can fucking swim and you're only five years old and he's gonna throw you in the fucking lake. And the scene fades over to the German guy in a pretty good and pretty funny uh, start to the scene. But we don't really know what happens to Phoebe yet we get to learn a lot more of what's inside the amulet in this scene. So while hoping that Phoebe does survive, even though she's annoying as fuck, uh, we get a very, very long scene. Now, I normally try not to do these anymore, but this is very informative to the film as a whole, so get ready to learn what happens every 100 years. Boys, time is almost up. It's your last Chance for pie. Thanks, now, Mr. Here we Dad. go. I mean, no thanks. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, there we are. Ah, yeah. The amulet itself is fairly small and carved with intricate symbols. Oh. Rather hard looking thing, don't you think? Scary German guy's bitching. So the thing I don't understand is the part about the equilibrium. Well, according to this rather curious book you have brought me, the forces of good and evil, uh, that is a B-17, in case you are wondering. It's rad. Good and evil are in constant flux back and forth. Only once every hundred years are these forces balanced. And what about the amulet? The amulet, so nearly as I can translate, is concentrated. Good. It is a talisman which wards off evil and is, how you say, uh, indestructible. That means it can't be destroyed. 
or in any case normally destroyed. However, and this part is underlined, once every hundred years, at the stroke of midnight, the amulet becomes vulnerable, and at that moment it can be shattered. And if it is? Then the balance between good and evil will shift, and evil will rule. However, our friend Mr. Van Helsing claims there is a way to stop the forces of darkness. How? If one could gain possession of the amulet before those forces, then every hundred years at midnight, there is another option. A ceremony which, when followed to the letter, will open a hole into limbo itself, where dwell the damned. A vortex which, like a great whirlwind, can swallow the forces of evil forever. Does it describe the procedure at all? In detail, this was the last entry on this date. He was to battle those forces himself. Interesting. Tis tomorrow's date, 100 years ago. years ago? Tomorrow night? Yeah, boys. It's the last time for pie. Before the molesting begins. <laughs> That's fucking terrible, but it was the only thing that I was thinking the entire time that fucking happened. But honestly, we got to learn a lot more about the amulet here that they had at the beginning of the movie. So it basically is going to open up Limbo, which is what you saw. The giant, like, tornado that opened and started sucking everything in. And it'll suck good, evil, doesn't matter what the fuck it wants to suck. It just wants to suck, 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 suck until you're completely fucking drained and everything's fucking gone from your body. You know, like a crack whore. So, basically, what they need to do is they need to get together the amulet and they need to have somebody read it tomorrow night they were so surprised that the german guy here knows anything about monsters and then he says yes i do and you see his arm and you notice that he's got some numbers from a concentration camp uh, tattooed on them and we don't know really where it's from nor do we really care we just know that what he means by he knows that monsters exist and that's kind of what i was talking about earlier in the podcast is that whether or not dracula and them are real monsters themselves truly are so they begin walking away and kind of decipher more uh, of what they need to do exactly where they actually go and ask Rudy the question of what they need, and <laughs> it's actually relatively well done and funny. What up? Tomorrow night? What do we have to do again? Blowhole and Dumbo? Limbo, stupid. So how do we know the amulet's there anyway? Because you dweeb, Drac is obviously here looking for it. If we don't find it for he does, we're beast bait. Okay, so say we get the amulet, then what? Wait till midnight and we get a virgin. A virgin? Okay, right. Then what? Well, our virgin takes the amulet, reads the magic spell from the book, and 
Blammo, we blow a hole in limbo. That's so easy. Oh, Sanch, it's cake. Yeah. Rudy, question. Shit. No any virgin. The way that that line is delivered is fucking hilarious, right? Because he's sitting there taking a drink from at the malt shop or where the fuck he is at, and then he just spits it everywhere when they ask him if he knows any virgins. Because, hey, he's that much older than everybody. Honestly, he's in junior high, right? So he's got to be maybe two years. Eugene is probably the youngest. I'd put him probably in, like, seven, maybe eight, right? Where the rest of them are in their, like, pre-teens, 12, maybe 13. Well, that's not pre-teen, but 11, 12. Let's say in that area. And I think even Horace says exactly how old they are in just a little bit. But Rudy over here has to be, like, two years older than everybody else. At least. So maybe you put him at 14. Maybe in that range. So of course he's gonna know a bunch of fucking virgins. In fact, all of you are fucking virgins. And that's something that I'm gonna talk about much later on. But for the moment, like, they're looking for a virgin girl. But it doesn't say that you need a virgin girl. It just says that that you need a virgin. So... Unless they went out and fucked each other, or they fucked a goat, or they fucked a cat, I'm pretty sure that everybody's a fucking virgin right here. So they go back over to Sean's house, and when they get there, Phoebe... Oh, thank God, she's alive. Uh, but she ha- tells them that there's somebody that she wants them to meet, and out pops Frankenstein. Frankenstein scares the living shit out of everybody, and they go and hide, and it's fucking ridiculous, because they're all hiding in bushes and in garbage cans, especially Horace. Horace takes the longest to do all of this shit, the fat kid, by the way, and he jumps into a garbage can, and he lowers the lid on himself, but Frankenstein's right fucking there can see everybody, especially you, fatty, fatty, fat, 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 can't fit into that fucking garbage can. Okay, sorry. It's just stupid. All out in the open! In the open, everybody can see you! If he really wanted to kill you, he would! And he should, right? Because he's been instructed to, but no, instead he becomes friends with everybody. And it's actually kind of funny because Phoebe tells everybody that don't be chicken shit. And, uh, yeah, that's one of her best lines in the whole goddamn movie. But she's so fucking annoying, I'm not gonna play it for you. So they figure out that Frankenstein's actually okay, that the monsters are real, and they have to prepare for it. And that's where you get that really cheesy, 80s, synthy, like, poppy rock, like, montage that goes on. That's right, we got a montage. Montage! Yeah, a real fucking montage. And so you see everybody kind of doing everything, but the only person that really does something is fucking Rudy. Rudy makes steaks in shop class, and in shop class, he makes silver bullets as well, and develops the pictures that he's been taking of his next-door neighbor, to which there is a booby shot that was accidentally shot by Frankenstein. See, they brought him into the clubhouse, and they're trying to figure out what to do with him. He looks over, he catches a glimpse of the damn girl getting changed in the fucking room over there, and then, boom, there you go. Like, Frankenstein manages to get it at the right fucking moment, so boom, teenage tits. And then, this would not happen at all. Now, well, maybe it would. Okay, quick story. I have done this before. Not to that extent. Don't get this twisted. Went to Cancun when I was younger, uh, on like a spring break type thing, and I was taking pictures of everything. And one day, they were doing like a Girls Gone Wild shoot 
and on the beach that we were at. And so we're all taking pictures of, I'm taking pictures of the girl. I don't care. Whatever you want to say is whatever you want to say. And then later on, I didn't realize I had taken the picture. And, uh, well, I didn't remember that I did because my memory is probably fucking shot from all the booze that I had while I was there. And I actually went into, like, uh, what I believe at the time was Long's Drugs here in California is now become CVS. That's a whole other thing. But they actually did develop the picture of the girl topless, uh, for me, right? Which is really weird. But at least she was college age. Here, this is a high school girl. When they fucking reported him, or were they just like, oh, well, he's a teenager and he's taking a picture of teenage tits, so everything's fine. We're just going to go over there and fucking develop them for him anyway. And you know what? I'm going to keep a couple shots for myself because you know, you know, if there is somebody interested in those tits that I shot, that they would have like kept like three or four copies for themselves as well. And yes, I still have that picture around here somewhere. I think it's upstairs inside my thing. Uh, but I, the reason that I did, totally forgot, another side note, because I was showing my pictures to my parents of my trip, and I, that one popped up, oh, and then the whistle that's fucking embarrassing, but oh well. So, they, you know, have their big montage, they get everything ready, uh, it's truly, uh, enough of the montage, uh, not enough montage, I should say, uh, and then we go back and we see that Dracula, he has roped the Wolfman. And the Wolfman, he is currently a human being. And he says that I'm going to have a bite, which ends up turning to be three girls that he's kidnapped that now he's going to make into his like vampire wives. And nobody's fucking worried about these people that got kidnapped, these three girls. We haven't heard shit about this. We heard that some people got kidnapped towards the beginning or that people were missing, I guess we should say. But it didn't specifically say, like, oh, these three women are missing and this is going on. No, no, no. Nobody gives a shit about these people. Who he's having to dress in the fucking white dresses right now. And he's going to go and turn them into his wives or some type of bullshit. Because you know what? Dracula can't live fucking alone by himself. Can't just hang out with the gill man or the mummy or the fucking wolf man alone. Or Frankie over there who truly is alone and whatever. He's got to have himself some wives at the same fucking time. But anyway, the Wolfman actually is able to break free. And then we cut over to the police station where we see, you know, Sean's father and his uh partner over here and they're discussing something that they saw that night or when the wolfman escaped i should say somebody saw something about a hearse they discuss it but then the wolfman himself he actually calls in to warn them last night near the ambulance crash get this eyewitness report a long black hearse no plates you want to ask me about the hood ornament what about the hood ornament i thought you'd never ask a silver skull I consider this an exciting lead. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm thrilled. Put on an APB. Already did. I'm a very good policeman, you know? Crenshaw. Hurry, get all your men and send them down to 666 Shadowbrook Road. It's an old mansion. He's found the amulet. There's, there's no time. Who the hell is this? I'm the one they shot last night. I'm a werewolf now, but... Have a nice night. No, 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 no. Don't hang up. So, okay, that prompts them to get up and leave. And did you notice the address? It starts with 666, 
<laughs> it's little cheesy things like that that I fucking love about this movie. So towards the end of that clip, as you heard him, he starts to transform into the Wolfman because, of course, the full moon is lasting both over these two nights. And this is when I realized I have not seen enough of the Gill Man. I really want to see more. Maybe his costume was really difficult to deal with because it was probably the most intricate out of all of them. But the Wolfman costume is still pretty good and he's in it a majority of it. The Mummy is probably in it a little more than the Gill Man, but we're going to see what happens to the Mummy in just a moment. So now the kids have gotten together and they're preparing to go invade wherever Dracula's mansion or wherever he's staying is because they realize that the amulet's got to be somewhere around there and they needed to complete this whole thing and to cause Limbo to happen and get rid of the fucking monsters. So Patrick and Rudy, they go to talk to Patrick's sister. Meanwhile, the other boys, they're all going towards the mansion. Uh, Patrick and Rudy do get his sister to go up into the clubhouse where they ask her that very important question because she does know some German and so she would be able to read the book if only she was one. So, what did you want to ask me? What do we want to ask you? Okay, um, sis, me and Ru- Rudy. Your show, Ace. Okay, we just wanted to know. Have you ever what? Okay, what we want to know is, are you a relative? <clears throat> Look, what's your brother is so delicately attempting to inquire and let me have my own personal curiosity is the degree to which you may have or have not at some point in time been dorked. You guys are sick. Guess what? Fox Photos got a two-for-one deal this week, and wouldn't you know it, there's a space on the bulletin board right between the prom committee notes and the football roster. Oh, so they're basically going to like blackmail her with a picture of her when she was changing in the window that Frankenstein fucking took. That was his. He was the one that was able to snap it perfectly when her tits were fucking hanging out. Meanwhile, back over at the lake, uh, we did get a scene shortly before that scene. I just kind of feel like that maybe the order should have been like this or maybe i fucking forgot and i'm getting to it right now but we do get a scene where eugene he's on the lake of the water and he's arguing with pete pete keeps pete being the dog and he knocks his twinkie out of his hand to which the gill man rises out of the water and steals the twinkie but of course nobody really sees the gill man or the mummy really except for eugene so maybe those two are really all in his head and this is like a Jacob's Ladder situation or something. I don't know. So they go into the house. Well, right before they go in the house, of course, Horace, he's a little worried about actually going in there. John, about this monster squad thing, maybe we could go back to the clubhouse and rethink it with the other guys. That kid, you're being a wuss. Wuss? Can it, Frank? Time's running out. John, oh! Scary house, real monsters, us, 12 years old, remember? Midnight, in the world, remember? Master, is near. Master wants children dead. Okay, so if Dracula wants all of them dead, 
Why the fuck are you going into the house? Well, of course you're trying to save the world. Sean, you've got a very good heart that you're actually trying to do this shit right now. But hey, you know what? We're just going to have to deal with it and everybody's going to have to go along with the plan and follow Sean inside of the house. And again, why if Frankenstein is calling Dracula his master? And whenever they do these types of movies like that, Frankenstein always turns out to be like good-hearted good guy even though and i get it even in the movies he was kind of that way he only killed that one girl because he didn't really understand and he's a monster that's been brought back from the dead but at the same time what if frankenstein just remade a shitty guy why couldn't the gill man be the good guy or the werewolf be the good guy or you know whoever it is another monster in the universe be the good guy it's always got to be fucking frankenstein that's a good guy whether it's this movie of van helsing or any fucking movie where there's a frankenstein in it uh it's fucking annoying to be honest with you uh so they go into the house and as they're searching there's like an earthquake i guess that dracula kind of causes which forces frankenstein to go under a pile of rubble and that's where, when Horace goes and tries to pull him out from it, we get one of the most iconic lines from the movie, as well as from the trailer of the film. Ah, wake up! Eugene, get away from there! Oh, wake up! Back and use your eyes, because it looks like you can help him. But, but what do we do, Sean? The monster! Don't call him a monster. But what if he's dead? Then he died to help us. Now look. I'm the leader of this squad, so listen up. You said Dracula knows we're here, so let's just try to find the amulet. And get the hell out of here. So even though they're able to incapacitate the Wolfman by kicking him in the balls, they're still chased around by Dracula's wives. He's already turned the walls, like I said, when he got his little fucking snack. But he gets chased by them, they get chased by Dracula, and they get chased by the Wolfman. And when they get into a corner, they go up to this statue, and Sean is like, haven't you ever seen these movies? There's always a secret switch. He hits the arm, they drop down through the floor, and then we cut over and we see that Patrick and Rudy are with Patrick's sister at a diner, and they're trying to get a hold of Sean. Of course, she's being kind of a rude little bitch and doesn't believe that the monsters are real either. And they're still worrying. They decide, okay, well, we need to go and try to find them. Back over at the house, we see the boys have fallen down far enough to the place where they can actually get the amulet. Why Dracula is not able to get the amulet so far, I don't understand. He searched the house earlier with the wolfman and he actually found out kind of where it was, made a hole in the wall, but yet... Still didn't go through, like, didn't become a bat, and didn't fucking get the hammer to bring it down from the other side. Just left the amulet down fucking in its room to wait for the kids to come and fucking get it. Like, or was he waiting for the fucking book? Like, hey, once I have the book, then I can use the amulet, so I'll worry about doing it at that time. Like, I don't get it. Why wouldn't you? Uh, hey, you found the fucking amulet. Why wouldn't you just fucking grab it at that time instead of letting it sit there while you wait for the kids to get it? Well, they do get it, and then Dracula is able to actually grab Sean, but the fat kid at the last minute has a fucking piece of pizza in his fucking pocket, which fucking he puts it up to Dracula's face, and it burns him, allowing them to fucking escape. What? What the fuck? 
How one, I get it, pizza and that cheese on the pizza can be really fucking hot to the point that it's gonna burn your fucking face if you're to press it against your face. So first, how the hell did he get it so hot if that's what he's doing? Second, I get it, garlic, garlic and vampires don't work so well in certain parts of lore, and I guess that's what works here. But is there enough garlic on that fucking pizza to fucking do it? Or did I mistake the pizza for fucking garlic bread? And then why was he carrying garlic bread? Why was he carrying either? Why wasn't he just carrying fucking garlic? Oh, makes no fucking sense. But you know what? It burns the guy's face in what looks like a shape of a pizza. And they're managed to escape from Dracula and his cohorts inside of the house. They run out to the road and that's where they meet everybody up because the cavalry has now arrived. The Calvary! Thank Christ! Yeah, we figured you guys were in trouble. It was Boss! I saw Dracula, and I kicked Wolfman in the nuts! Check it, bag it, okay? Look, is she a virgin? Why don't you put it on this 6 o'clock news, you little shit? Yeah, she is. Perhaps we should all go back to my place for some pie. The book is right. Don't you see? It's all true. We found the amulet, but now this monster's after us. We gotta go to a place where there's a lot of people. Church! What? Church! He's right. There's an old church in the town plaza. Perfect. Monsters hate religious stuff. Why is that? Why do monsters... There's only one monster that actually hates the religious stuff. And the more and more I see of Dracula, the more and more I see him end up in fucking churches and see fucking crosses and shit. It's like we're fucking rewriting vampires so that vampires can just do whatever the fuck they want. And sometimes they're a good guy and sometimes they're a bad guy. Where the fuck is going on? But anyway, this is old school Dracula, but he doesn't seem to be that afraid of churches as we get towards the end of the film. So they run down the road, well, ride down the road in in the scary German guy's car, uh, and then you hear one of the weirdest lines in the movie. Again, I don't like to do really short lines, but honestly, I don't know what the fuck to make of this. Look! It's 20 minutes to midnight! We pulled this off! I'm gonna shit! Okay, I get it. I know what the scene is actually trying to say. What he's trying to say is, if we actually pull this off, I'm going to flip my lid. Or I'm going to be, like, I'm going to be hell of excited or whatever. But I'm going to shit? What the fuck kind of line is that? Like, what? Like, I, you know, we better do this within the next 20 minutes because I have to shit. My pants are going to fucking explode. Like, I'm so excited that the moment that this happened, I'm going to fucking let drop a fucking load in my pants. Like, what? why would you want that to be the reason, like, people think that you're fucking excited? It makes no fucking sense. Why would you even have this line in this movie? And, of course, they're all fucking surprised about it because they have managed to allow the mummy to attach itself to the car. Now, again, the mummy, he either does some magical teleport job or he is so quick when they drive by him that he's able to fucking grab onto the end of the truck and start flying after them because he was moving awfully slow and they had a lot of room to get around the fucking mummy. It's not like he took over the whole fucking, like, 
road here, and he's moving at fucking a snail's pace, but no, he manages to grab onto the fucking end of the jeep and start terrorizing everybody. They manage to take off a piece of his bandage, Rudy takes out the bow, and he's able to shoot an arrow with the bandage into one of the trees, and that actually unravels the mummy and completely disintegrates him except for the head. I was really worried we were going to get some mummy dork, but hey, we didn't actually have to see anything, and all we got was a bunch of bones and then the skull, and the mummy has been defeated, thus making him the most useless fucking bad guy in the entire fucking movie, because he didn't even hurt one fucking person. He almost grabbed Phoebe, but they were able to get rid of him relatively quick, and that is one, yet, well, this is the, the first kill for Rudy in this whole film. So they manage to get over to the church, and while they're getting to the church, we then go ahead and see his father and his, uh, you know, co-worker or his partner, uh, they chase down the street going to where Dracula's at. And then that's when Dracula's hearse starts driving at them. They're trying to get out of the way, and the hearse actually goes right through the car and goes directly to Sean's house. Uh, at Sean's house, we see that Dracula has become Michael Bay in this situation and is taking dynamite to... <laughs> he's lighting it on fire, throws it in their clubhouse, and completely blows it up for no apparent reason. And like He's like, let the games begin. But what is beginning? That's not where they fucking are. What? They're just going to be pissed after they fucking defeated you that you blew up their fucking treehouse. So this is just like, do you know that you're going to lose and this is the reason why you're doing this? I don't fucking get it. It also is the shortest fucking fuse in all of history because he's able to light it, throw it up there, and blows up almost immediately. And when he throws it, it looks like he actually like tosses it underhand to get up there. But the way that it's filmed and the way that it's cut, it's really weird. It actually looks like he tosses it on the floor, turns around, then it blows up. It's really fucking funny. Uh, and I had to watch it three or four times to see if that's exactly what happened. And I still can't quite fucking tell, even though you can see in the tree that it falls in there and it kind of, you know, then the tree blows up. He gets up to the front and his father's out there, Sean's father, and he's trying to stop Dracula. He takes a couple shots at him. The bullets, of course, do absolutely nothing. And I thought that the first fuse was the shortest fuse in the world. But no, it looks like you have about five inches of fuse, right? It's not, I'd say it's about a half a foot. Or it might even be a foot. It might be a full roller length of fuse that he lights. But he's able to throw it. It rolls under the car. And then the friend that's in there, the, the partner, played by Stan Shaw... He's in there. He tells him, oh, get out. And the moment he's like, ooh. And then the car fucking blows up. It's literally within two or three seconds after he fucking throws the dynamite under the car. The shortest fucking fuse in the world. Makes no sense. So Dracula flies away. And Sean's dad goes inside of the house. And tries to use the walkie-talkie to get a hold of Sean. And when he gets a hold of Sean, he tells him that they're going downtown to the church. He decides to jump in the car with his wife because all of a sudden his wife is fucking worried what's going on because you know what? Their children are in danger and this is going to save their fucking marriage. 
And you know, you know what I think would have saved their marriage more than going to marriage counseling? It would be what Sean and his father did towards the beginning of the movie, which was their, their house is in a perfect position to watch drive-in movies from the roof. And he ended up watching his horror movie from there by tuning into the channel, the frequency that you would have to tune into to listen to the movie to watch the movie from a distance. That's what he and his wife should have just done. It's just gone on up there. Like, hey, we're done. You know, after I get back after this case, we'll go up there. We'll watch whatever's happening in the drive-in. Have a talk. Be nice. Maybe make out. Have sex on the roof. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to make sure that we have sex above Sean's roof because we need to make sure he knows that I'm the fucking man of the house. And I'm the one that's going to tell him what to fucking do. Don't argue with me. You're not going to get your five fucking dollars. You can fucking watch movies from up here. You don't have to go with your friends, you asshole. Anyway, so we go back over and we get to the church where everybody is there and they find out that the church actually is locked. Don't take the church, it's religious! It's locked is what it is. Fine. We'll just have to do it right here. Like, really religious, Sean. Why don't we just go over and do it in Burger King? You guys! Yes, why don't we just go over and do it in product placement? And that's where the brides of Dracula start walking down the street and Rudy goes to fucking work. Rudy takes out his stakes that he's made, which happened to work very well with the bow that he stole. Uh, and he fucking spears one of the girls right in the chest. He is really good at killing monsters. Like, this is Monster Squad. It really shouldn't be Monster Squad. It should be Rudy fucking Squad. Because Rudy is the one that is actually doing everything except for deciphering some of these things. Like, if there was anything... Sean would kind of be the fucking, like, you know, shaggy-type character of the group, where Fred is definitely Rudy, but there isn't, like, other girls there, so I'm not gonna, like, try to match him or anything like that, because I can not really say, like, well, Phoebe is Daphne, and Eugene is fucking Velma, or some shit like that, but no, I, and I wonder who would Scooby-Doo be. That would definitely be Frankenstein if I had to put Scooby-Doo, but then he can't really make Sean shaggy at the same time, so I guess uh, Scooby-Doo is Patrick. So we'll just call him Patrick if we had to do this. But anyway, so we see that he's fucking, like, killing the shit out of two of them. Uh, and then the last one doesn't really... I don't remember her dying at all. I just remember the first one being shot and the second one being stabbed after he was almost not able to get his stake out of his little quiver in the back there. Dracula then flies into the scene, starts going after Sean, and Sean's dad shows up to shoot him and actually force Dracula to kind of fly into one of the windows to which Sean's father chases after him. When he gets up there, he sees Dracula in very good, like, makeup and animatronics, like, as his, like, half-bat, half-man creature, and then before he's able to actually finish Dracula, the wolfman attacks... And he corners uh, Sean's dad, but Sean comes in the last minute and smacks him with a pipe, and he actually does something to one of the monsters. Um, there is a lit piece of dynamite in the scene, and my god, does this piece of dynamite take forever. See, Sean's dad, he was going to kill Dracula by using the dynamite to blow him up. So he lit it, said something quippy, then he got attacked by the wolfman, and... This is Dracula's dynamite we're talking about. So these have to have the shortest fuses ever, but nope, this has the longest fuse ever. There's enough time for him to get into a fight with the Wolfman, for the Wolfman to get knocked back by Sean, and then for them to stick the piece of dynamite down the Wolfman's pants, 
kick him out of the window, and finally when he flies out of the window, that's when the Wolfman blows up. And I remember that scene used to freak me the fuck out when I was a kid because it was an exploding creature. Not just that, because when we went back down to the street, we noticed the Wolfman actually comes back together. Like, all his pieces form together and start attacking Rudy. He's stopped by a bunch of the cops. Of course, Rudy is able to get one of the cops' guns and loads it with his silver bullet, getting ready to shoot the Wolfman. Meanwhile, we look back over and we see that Patrick's sister, she has completed reading the whole thing, but the portal to Limbo is not opening up, which leads to the creepy question that the scary German guy has to ask. Are you absolutely sure that she is... You're not a virgin, are you? No? No, what do you mean, no? Well, Steve, but he doesn't count! Doesn't count! Wait a second, this is like that stupid excuse if you have sex with somebody in another state or another country, it doesn't fucking count as cheating. So, Steve, for some reason, what, has he got like a micro-ween? Is that fucking thing like a centimeter big or something like that? You can't actually get it in there, so it didn't break the hymen, so technically you're not a fucking virgin? No, if you put that dork in your fucking hoo-ha, and you managed to have sex, and you broke that fucking hymen, you're no longer a virgin, you don't want to fucking admit it. I get it, it's your little brother, but the end of the world is at stake, so why the fuck would you lie? Because you didn't believe him. Okay, I get it. But Steve, you know what? Steve fucking counts. And I bet you Steve is going to be end up like being your husband when you're in a fucking trailer park somewhere because you're lying fucking trash piece of shit bitch. Oh, I'm sorry. I went a little too far there. Okay. Well, anyway, Rudy finally gets a chance to fire that gun at the Wolfman and manages to kill him. And the Wolfman thinks that he does actually get to die. Uh, we see Sean and his father show up, and Rudy is very excited that the bullet was the only way to kill the Wolfman, and that it actually worked. Uh, we see the Gillman then come up from the sewers, and he starts attacking the other cops around him, and he actually manages to kill a couple of the cops. So, see, even though the Gillman is still pretty worthless in this fucking movie, which pisses me off, he at least gets some kills while the mummy doesn't. Therefore, Gillman better than the mummy. Uh, so he goes ahead and he starts backing up uh, the fat kid into a corner. Well, in front of the Burger King, where we see the kid from earlier that was bullying him, not letting him into the goddamn Burger King so that he can save his life. Fat kid manages to get a shotgun. The Gilman is still slowly creeping towards him, so he cocks the shotgun that he managed to pick up, aims, fires, and kills the Gilman. He gets a very satisfying, like, line to end the film for him which is you know he's like hey fat kid he's not the fat kid i'm horace and then we cut over to eugene who's realizing that somebody else is probably a virgin what is she a virgin she virgin yes a virgin we use the girl she can't read she's five years old i'll help her Okay, and this leads to the last little bit of the film, but, okay, she better be a virgin. Like, <laughs> why, why again, why does it have to be a girl? Because I haven't heard anything from any of the stuff that they've been talking about that it has to be a girl virgin. Why can't, does it have to be that way? Why can't it be anybody that can fucking read? Any of those kids out there 
Any of them. Could have been the fat kid. Could have been Patrick. Could have been Sean. Could have been Rudy. Though maybe Rudy's too cool of a kid to not be a virgin. But he probably still is because he thinks that he's a fucking cool kid or whatever. But if it has to be a girl, then I guess it has to be Phoebe. And everybody should have realized that. But honestly, she can't fucking read. So she has to read word for word. Not necessarily being told what to do. Then is it really going to work? Well, we can only hope and we can find out what exactly happens when she starts to read the inscriptions to start the vortex to limbo. Auf dem Anhalt. Auf dem Anhalt. Don't look up. Ich bitte good. Hey! Hey, hold right there a minute. Is hey, keep a safe stop right there. No! Yes, that's right. Dracula called her a bitch. Now, I refrained from it earlier in the film, but if Dracula does it, maybe I should have been allowed to. But no, nonetheless, this is definitely one of the funnier lines in the whole fucking movie. And he just raises her in the air, and he looks at her really loving. That's the whole, like, point of it, is that he is, like, being kind and gentle and then, like, he starts lifting her up in the air, and it's like, give it to me, you bitch! <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Because she screams, and then he goes, <sighs> at the same time. So there's really no fucking point. And then again, she's not really reading this herself. She's reciting it, okay? That's my biggest complaint with this whole thing. I know, this is fucking bitching about a little thing, and it's a fucking movie. But honestly, if she's supposed to be reading it and saying it aloud, she's basically reciting and repeating everything that he's fucking telling her. He's technically the one that's reading the whole thing, and ultimately he's reading it, and then they manage to actually open up the portal, right? Because Frankenstein comes in, saves the day, throws Dracula, impales him in a piece of the church. She's able to finish the whole thing with the help from the old man. Then the old man is a fucking virgin, and he's the one that read it because he's been reading it the whole fucking time. <laughs> it hasn't been Phoebe reading it. It's been the old man. He's read the whole goddamn thing. Oh. <sighs> 
So the portal opens up. The old man is able to grab the amulet and he throws it into the air. And then it starts sucking everything and everyone into it. And then what happens? Of course, Dracula, he's, you know, he's able to get dragged in, but he's trying to get somebody at one last time. And Van Helsing comes from the portal and saves the day and drags Dracula along with him. Frankenstein has to go as well, which actually is pretty heartfelt and sad because you know, he and Phoebe had such a good relationship. But really, it's so surprising that you get, like, Van Helsing randomly out of the middle of nowhere, fucking pops up, grabs him, and drags Dracula into limbo. Therefore, the Monster Squad has saved the day. Everybody's all excited and happy, even though they lost their friend Frank. And then all of a sudden, the army shows up because towards the middle of the movie during the montage, Eugene wrote a note to the army saying, hey, come to our town because monsters are here. And then the army actually shows up. And that's where he wonders who these people are that have done anything. We end the film with the Monster Squad rap. Who's Eugene? All right, son. Where are they? Where are the monsters? Mommy came in my house. Can somebody tell me what the Sam Hill is going on around here? Well, we can't, sir. Well, who are you? We're the Monster Squad. the monster squad um this movie is fucking fantastic i don't care it's divisive it was divisive among critics it didn't really make a lot of money from theaters and everything like that but i love this movie this is like nostalgia multiplied by like 30 it is just it remains the same as it did when i first watched it as when i watched it when i was older as when i've watched it now my wife never had seen this movie she i think she had seen it once kind of before but she didn't really remember it and normally when i watch these movies she doesn't stay around to watch them with me this she watched all the way through and we were just cracking up and laughing and it's just so enjoyable it's got really great characters it has good costumes it has pretty good effects i mean the music is great they don't make raps like that anymore i mean 
for movies. Like, there probably is still some type of cheesy somewhere rap or whatever. But that one specifically, when you go to a movie and you go to even a fun-filled comedy movie, there isn't that cheesy, like, cheesy 80s rap that you have that's rapping about the film. I mean, it's no, like, even Adam's Family had MC Hammer doing the Adam's Family, like, rap that was in there that was fucking fantastic and I loved to death. Uh, but this, it's just so fun. Like, everything about it is completely fun. And like I said, where it fits into that hour and 22 minute time frame, everything gets resolved. You're done. At the end of the film, it's not setting up another movie. It doesn't leave you with any questions. Everything that it's kind of left on its plot points. I mean, the plot, yes, is a paper thin. Of course, it's relatively thin. There's a couple things that are kind of weird. Why Dracula does this go after the amulet and just kill the kids himself? I'll never fucking know. He could have just done it right away. But for the most part, we get a very solid movie. And we get a very, you know, complete story from beginning to end in a very small amount of runtime. It's well edited, it's really well put together, and the kids, besides Phoebe, all do a great job as child actors in these roles. A lot of them never really went on to do anything else, some of them here or there, um, and, you know, I'm wasn't really I didn't recognize anybody that was in this film but honestly for my type of love of old school monster movies this is the perfect movie for me and this is the perfect movie for you so when going through the rating system uh the gore it's like a two out of five because really the the monsters get some of the gorier stuff happen to them so you get you know, Wolfman explodes, and when the Gillman gets shot, he has a hole in his chest. And a couple of the officers that die, you know, you get a couple things head snapping and stuff like that. I mean, it's not like super gory. Maybe it might bring it down, but I'm going to leave it as a two for this type of film. The crap factor, it's a two out of five as well. Some of the dialogue doesn't necessarily hold up. Uh, the fact that everything is referred to as a dork, like they do certain things. They say shit a lot and they try not to curse and talk about certain things like anatomy with the actual things. Well, I get it. It's PG-13 movie, though. I guess you don't want to get into the rated R territory because, hey, you're trying to get the young preteens or the young teens into this flick and still make it good enough for the parents to be able to enjoy with their kids, which I think that you can. Anybody should be able to see that. But I do think that some of the topics are a little bit outdated, uh, and they definitely show that within the film. And there's a couple of things that kind of go nowhere, but, you know, it's not to the point where, like, oh, well, you know, the fact that the mummy really doesn't do anything in this movie is very upset. The fact that Gilman doesn't do a whole lot either, but he does manage to get a couple kills, so I'm kind of okay with that. It's primarily, if you're going to think about the monsters, the Wolfman and Dracula's movie. Frankenstein is kind of in it. But the Wolfman and his costumes are kind of in it the most, even though he doesn't do a whole lot either. But the Wolfman kills a lot more people than Dracula and, well, Dracula gets a lot towards the end. But definitely more than Gilman and, uh, you know, especially the Mummy. So that's where I kind of give it, uh, you know, a 2 out of 5. There's also some weird cuts every now and then. Like there's a cut with Rudy where he's looking out over at Patrick's sister and then it cuts to the next thing and... It looks like he was never, ever doing that. And then the next cut, it's like it was a continuation of that shot from earlier. So it's really odd, really weird. But in general, it's still relatively good. 
The fun factor of this movie, it is a five out of five. This movie is funny, it's entertaining, it's fast-paced. The entire time you will have a smile on your face. Uh, at least I did, I know I did. Maybe this movie's not for you, but I really have a hard time understanding if anybody in the horror community why you don't really like this movie unless you didn't grow up, up with it as a kid and you're seeing it now. You know, maybe it doesn't fit your type of... uh ideal of horror but honestly an open mind with this film will go a long way and especially if you have a love for the old universal monsters because honestly i think this movie did them justice even though it's really cheesy and maybe there isn't a whole lot uh to do with a lot of those creatures it's better than something like fucking van helsing where they were trying to bring everything together and oh we've got all the horror movie monsters in one movie no this is one of the best, if not the best. So what do I give this movie? I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5 Wolfman Nards. And this actually is something new that I'm maybe doing every once in a while. But this is getting the nostalgia seal of approval. Meaning it still holds up to my old nostalgia like views and the way I when I first saw it to the way I see it now. And it's one of the few movies that actually gets a 5 out of 5 from me. And and it's because when I rewatched it, how much I still loved it. It's been a while, to be honest, since I've seen this movie. I think the last time I saw this movie was close to 10 years ago. And now that I'm seeing it again at the age that I am now, I still love it. I, you know, everything that goes on with it, it's hilarious. It's so entertaining. It's so worth your time. And it fits your time frame almost perfectly. So, with that being said, go see it. Uh, and now we're going to do a little talk about what's coming up. So, there's a big thing for October. Now, October is going to be Superhero Month. And I'm going to do some superhero horror-ish movies. So, we're going to focus on four different superheroes from four different universes. Two happen to be Marvel, but, you know, different areas of Marvel, I guess you could say. So... The first one up is going to be Blade Trinity, and then we're going to go into uh, Spawn. Then we're going to hit up the lovely world of Ghost Rider with Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. And then the last one we're going to end the month of October with is going to be Constantine. But because I did this movie by myself, I've decided to bring along a couple of friends for the Halloween ride. So first up, when we do Blade Trinity... Um, the person that's going to be joining me on the podcast is Andy from Black Cat Shadow. So he and I are going to go through Blade. And then afterwards, it's going to be Phantom Dark Dave. He's going to join me for Spawn. Then I'm going to bring on the duo from the Back in Time podcast, uh, Kyle and JD. They're going to do Ghost Rider with me. And then lastly, we're going to bring Paranormal Pat back to the podcast. And he is going to do Constantine, which will be very interesting because it's going to be the first time that he's ever seen that film. So look forward to us kind of getting into it uh, and seeing how everything goes with a partner on the podcast. I do like doing them every now and then. And I thought that, hey, if I couldn't bring people on for the Monster Squad podcast, that I would bring them on for Halloween. So without further ado, why don't we take a listen to the Blade Trinity trailer? I have to ask you a couple of questions. What can you tell me about vampires? They exist. Blade. First, he faced their gods. 
Then he battled their demons. But all that was only the beginning. He's come back. Vampire final solution. You can't win this war alone. Who the hell are you people? My father meant for us to help you. Whistler's daughter. What the hell makes you think you know about hunting vampires? Just for starters, I used to be one. Blade Trinity. There's nothing stopping them now. There's me. So there's one other thing that I want to say, and this is because this is, and this is before we go ending and all the other music and credits and all the other stuff. So uh, this is the fourth year that I'm doing the podcast, starting at this episode. I know I've been saying like fourth anniversary, but technically this is the fourth year of the thing. And there's been a lot of people that I've met through this podcast and that have been very big supporters Um, and I want to say thank you to everybody that does listen to this show. I know this is whatever the fuck it is or whatever. And I've said this before, but I really, really want you guys to honestly know that I do honestly mean it. So, uh, first I want to thank, uh, one of the oldest guys that, and one of the guys I do another podcast with. So Patrick from the Paranormal Pativity podcast, he gets the first shout out because we do another podcast called It Be Like That. And if you guys want to listen to something that's a little more irreverent, that's a little more structured in terms of just like news and general chat, we talk about a little bit of everything, please go check out the It Be Like That podcast. This is my, you know, that was my first podcast that I could call my own. Him and I doing it together, you know, it's, it's not solely my own, but together we've been doing it for a very long time. Uh, and it was because that, you know, he brought me into this world. He brought me on episode of the Knights of the Video Game Table podcast, which is a podcast that he does with his friend Jeremy. That is a video game podcast. They don't do it as much anymore. We make fun of the fact that that happens. But honestly, they do a job when they actually do get together and actually do do the episodes. Uh, but if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have gotten into the world of podcasting. I, I know that there are a lot of podcasters I listen to, and there's been a lot of podcasts, but I just never really thought about it. And then finally he's like, we had such a good time on this episode that I did of uh, KVG. Uh, I always say KVTV, but Knights of the Vinegan Table, let's just say that. Uh, that we talked about, well, let's just do it on our own. It's called It Be Like That. We can talk about topics and we do whatever. And we're definitely influenced by radio when we do that show because we have radio shows that we really like to listen to and we, you know, emulate it some, but it's very entertaining for us to do it, even though we kind of joke that we don't have a whole lot of people listening to that pod. So if you enjoy the episode that we've had together, um, or you just like listening to me when I talk about irreverent things, Go check out that pod, and I want to thank Patrick for being there. Um, Scott Crawford was one of the first people out there that found my podcast and started listening to it and hit me up on Facebook when I first set up the Facebook page and was one of the first ones to suggest movies for me to view and to review for this, Munchies being one of them. Uh, and I would have never seen that movie without uh, his su- suggestion. So 
I want to thank him specifically. He's involved me with a couple of things, uh, and I really do appreciate. And one of these days, I'm going to have to have you come on, uh, and we're just going to have to chat and so that we can actually talk, uh, you know, voice to voice, I guess, at one of these times. Uh, Richard, the fear merchant, um, he's one of the first people to ever hit me up on Twitter after the death gathers episode. Uh, he was telling me about the sound quality of the episode, man, you need to raise up the clips, which caused me to look more into how do I get my clips to sound a little louder or better and actually care a little more about everything there. Um, and he's been such a fantastic guy and resource. I'm waiting to hear him in Skeleton Cop. I know he's only got a little bit. I'm planning on bringing him back. One, we are going to, when Skeleton Cop comes out, when it finally does, because we both made the pledge for that movie for when it comes out, we're going to do a full-fledged review of Skeleton Cops. Go to watch the trailer, and I'm going to make sure when he is part gets there, and I hope he's listening to this, uh, that we are going to discuss thoroughly the methods that you use to your acting <laughs> to get you there. So I look forward to doing that. Uh, Phantom Dark Dave, this dude was the first guy that truly reached out to me to do an interview. Um, I'd never done anything like that before. I remember being up the night before, and being like, shit, what am I going to do? How am I going to talk to this guy? What's going to go on? I'm going to have to watch his little video. He's like, oh, yeah, watch this. You know, I, my story is turning this short film. Yada, yada, yada. I remember watching this thing up, and I'm being like, okay, can't be super critical. I can't do the stuff that I normally do with people's stuff. Because here I'm interviewing a guy, and I don't want to get him upset. And maybe, you know, it'll turn to bigger, better things. It's turned to one of the best things uh, for the pod, and, uh, he's a wonderful guy and a really good friend, uh, even though he's not anywhere close to where I live. I wish the guy lived closer, um, so that we could actually hang out one of these times. Either that or I'm gonna have to get my ass to Texas, or he's gonna have to get his ass to California and come out here. Uh, Andy with Black Hack Shadow, um, you know, I really enjoy your guys' pod. You've been very supportive of the podcast. Um, I know Dave brought me into your guys' pod for the one episode that we did. I'm sorry that I took so long to repay the favor to bring you on to my pod. I'm going to try to rectify that when we do Blade with the next episode, and I'm pretty sure that you uh, you know this already. Um, Isaac Thorne, a guy that's constantly t- tweeting and retweeting my stuff, um, again, this is another dude that I want to have, I want you and I to sit down and have an episode, just a, just a chat. Let's try to make that happen. Um, I really appreciate all of the, you know, it, it's advertising for me. You're, you're sending me out to your followers and you've constantly done it and I've never bugged you for it. And I'm glad that you listen. I'm glad that you, you do that stuff for us back in time pod for having me again. It's another podcast that's had me on theirs. We did sleepway camp and it's taken me way too long to get you guys back on here. Uh, but we've got you coming on this side for next month. And I'm glad that you guys are both uh, able to do it. And I hope we have a lot of fun when we talk about Ghost Rider and Ridiculous Cage. That's one of my favorite things. Um, ben, Angry Ben, <laughs> Angry Ben, <laughs> Angry Dad Podcast. Big motivational guy. He is a big motivation uh, with what he does with his life and the way that he treats everybody. Um, you know, it's... It's amazing to see a guy like that 
and the way that he interacts with his kids is number fucking one. And he, if, uh, you know, I ever became a dad, he'd be the guy that I looked up to all the fucking time. So please go check out his podcast, the Angry Dad podcast as well. Uh, just being kind of a killer dude at the same time. Um, I know that I'm missing. Oh, Alex from Beyond the Void. Dude, you fucking rock. Uh, your podcast fucking rocks. I wish I had the production value of your fucking podcast. Um, it, it is fucking amazing. Uh, and one of these days, I know you and I have always said it in text, but we're, again, this is another people. We need to get together and either I just have you over here and you come shoot the shit with me about some crazy movie that you want to see. Maybe that crazy circus unicorn movie trailer that you put up today. Maybe we need to sit down, both watch that movie. I had a ton of fun with you when we did the uh, Puppet Master Lilith Reich, uh, you know, comment thread on Facebook. It was some of the most fun I've had in the longest time. And uh, I, like, again, I really appreciate your pod. Cadavercast. You guys are fucking nuts. Uh, your kid is so fucking knowledgeable, more than I was when I was his age. Uh, and you guys are extremely entertaining to listen to uh, when you get the chance. Um, and I need to keep up on my podcasts all the fucking time. And it's so hard when you have so fucking many. Uh, don't go down that road. You guys are the first podcast to ever, 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 ever uh, suggest a movie for me to watch. Uh, I think you were the hundredth follower of this podcast on Twitter. You gave me a movie. I did Leprechaun Back to the Hood. Oh God, why did I ever do that movie? But hey, you guys chose it. I did it. Um, and I wish you guys nothing but good luck. So, and Kyle laugh as well. Uh, I miss your old podcast. Uh, but I love the work that you do with Alex and Beyond the Void. Um, it's, you know, I, I love reading your little horror things. I love going after your post. You're very informative. Um, and you like some of my cheesy jokes most of the time. So anybody that can stand some of my cheesy little things that I say every once in a while that I type out is A-OK in my book. So uh, that's just a small list. Oh, uh, Movie Mayhem Podcasts. So these guys, you need to go check them out. Um, they run a great podcast, uh, very interactive with everybody. It's very interactive with me. I really, really enjoy it. And I hope to get together with you by the end of October. I've got to reach out to you because for the month of October, not only am I going to be doing these movies, but, uh, I'm going to be participating in 31 and 31, which is really hard. Um, to get a movie in every day, and I decided to do the Godzilla franchise. I'm going to go from old school. We're going to start with Gojira and go all the way, skipping over uh, the Godzilla that I did for this podcast um, and not doing that one on the U.S. version, all the way to the current U.S., or I'm going to maybe do Shin Godzilla instead, maybe just say Japanese, or I'm going to totally skip a couple of the Japanese ones and do the American Godzilla that happened in 2014, as well as the animated ones that are currently going on on, like, Netflix. So I started one, kind of got bored, but maybe I'll have to sit and go through it. I think there's two. So if I can skip, like, Son of Godzilla and whichever the one that has Jet Jaguar, um, <laughs> I might have to do that. But going 31 kaiju movies in 31 days is going to be a treat. So I'll just be doing quick reviews uh, up online. But I think at the end, I'm going to do a long, like, form review video going through each one of them. 
at the end of the month. Let's see if I can actually put together or might be on November 1st. The last thing that I'm going to participate in is we are doing Revenge of like the sequels for the movies for the Universal Monster uh, Monsters that we did. So as bonuses, you know, last time I did Creature from the Black Lagoon. This time I'm going to do Revenge of the Creature from the Black Lagoon. So you'll get to actually hear me talk about that one. So that'll be a bonus episode that will release after this giant October mess has happened. Oh my god, what am I doing to myself? I'm going to drive myself fucking crazy. So with that all being said, of course, you can always follow the podcast. I'm out there on Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast. Uh, Facebook, Terrible Terror Podcast. Instagram, Terrible Terror Podcast. There is some Instagram TV stuff up there. YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Toolbert. You can search out for that one because I'm starting to do Terrible Terror Car Reviews where I bring on uh, Ben from the Angry Dad Podcast and Patrick from Paranormal Pativity. If we go see a horror movie or maybe even anything else, uh, we do a quick kind of spoilerish review of the movie. I know we're looking forward to seeing uh, Venom as well as uh, Halloween when it comes out. So with that being said, I thank everybody for taking their time to listen to my stupid little podcast, and I hope that you've enjoyed it, and here's to more years to come. And I will see you next time with Blade Trinity. Oh hey, hey, are you are you still there? Did you shut it off at the end? Well, all right. So there's something else. If you decided to stay this long, you probably noticed that the timer kept going. You're like, huh? It says that it's like over two hours of shit. And one, I'm glad that you guys are able to listen to my two hours of shit. But um, this is something that's going to be relatively. I don't know. I wouldn't call it embarrassing, but it, it was fucking hilarious when I was listening to it. So, since the beginning of the year, and I'm going to start doing this more often, but it's going to be a collaboration from the beginning of the season now, but I started recording my bloopers. So, as you may know, I edit on the fly, and it definitely shows, meaning that while I'm recording it, I don't like something I deleted. I try to match the cadence and keep everything going. Sometimes it sounds like it's totally out of place and misedited, and every once in a while, uh, you don't even fucking notice it, but hey... Here we are. <laughs> You've been listening for this long, and now you're getting some of the truth. So, um, yeah, what I decided to do was start recording things I found funny. Uh, if I thought it was funny when episodes, these are not in order. They're all from different episodes. They're in order of the episode, I should say. So, like, if you notice something's from Howard the Duck, it's all going to be from Howard the Duck, probably for a couple of them. Uh, it's not very long, but... I hope you guys enjoy uh, my mad blooper skills. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. 
If you've made a something something on your phone or whatever um, a fucking piece of motherfucking shit because you can't remember how to fucking start the podcast, please send it my way. In general, the cinematography for... Uh, the way that the Skeksis look, and especially even though, yeah, he's a naked Skeksis... Sex, <laughs> he's a naked Skeksis? Fucking fantastic. Demon me- magician... Jericho, he realizes that that's not the way he wants to go, and he bends, bends the bleh. And you don't even realize that w- what you've done, and what the ability. Or, you know what, Mom? Maybe you should just buy me far frosted fucking flates instead. Oh, boy, I fucked that up. There you go. Maybe I'll just do a little. Hey, yo, your dad's dead. Oh, that was shitty. Why, it's Clint Howard's, like, fucking guy that says, Don't you speak medicine? <laughs> oh, boy. And they look through the whole place, and there's dead bodies in there. They're like these decapel... What the hell? Womcom? Uh, Womcom? <laughs> Why, hello, everybody. <laughs> hello. <laughs> Good lord. Why do I sound like that in the beginning of this goddamn podcast? And hey... Oh, I said podcast, so I can't leave it in. Oh, fuck me. He's changed over the years, but he doesn't really have any special flowers. Flowers? Uh, it's probably because I was about to say duck foo or quack foo or where the fuck it is. So they film those films or scenes. Film those films? What the fuck is wrong with me? But he ends up having a little bit of duck PTSD when the share when the share starts shaking. <laughs> <laughs> on the side of well, a jigsaw piece has been cut out so this uh, <laughs> you died now a gaze bill gates uh now a gaze oh that's fucking perfect at any point in this thing they're always after me gold or me lucky charms or whatever the fuck it is uh so i want me gold i think that's what it was <laughs> oh man i am not doing this at the right moment in time in my life uh <laughs> but there's a chicken there's like chicken hen like chicken hens what the fuck oh that's the best kept secret right we're watching a movie called fucking leprechaun organ organs <laughs> Leprechaun Oregons. That's what we're fucking watching. God fucking damn it. Eh, I'll place Ben, or not Ben Savage, fucking A. Oh, damn it. I don't know. And maybe my memory is going Brad. <laughs> going Brad. Oh, fuck me. Why hasn't he shit said anything on fire? I think I said shit. Anything on fire. God damn it. And of course, we're not talking about Skype. Uh, well, uh, Skype. <laughs> Skype is coming after her. Woo! Here comes Skype. Okay, he doesn't really need to flash that much money in Western Virginia. We also cut over and we see Pyramid. Pyramid? What the fuck? It's Pyramid. Not Pyramid. Ugh. Is that Angelica Houston in it? And the. Oh boy, why? Why? Uh, not the first knuckle. I'm talking about the second knuckle. The knuckle. Fucking riding into town. And of course, who it is? Uh, who it is? Want them to be the lovers, Starcraft lovers, and blah, blah, blah. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. I'm back driving here in the, uh... <laughs> driving here in the driver's seat. I guess that's the way you can say it. Well, by myself in the driver's seat. I don't know. Whatever the fuck. You realize this is like the fourth time I've had to do this fucking intro. 
and I don't know what to fucking say. Oh, God, I'm going to do it again. Not necessarily for music. I am not a country friend. Uh, a country friend? Is that what I just fucking said? Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. And so that's when Mr. I'm going to hit him in the head with a pickaxe or a can't fucking talk is you just see a television set right and he's appearing behind it he's a balder uh balder what the fuck what the hell's a balder man from here he spends the rest of the night with nikki in the morning he be- meets beats maca oh god i can't fucking talk again like plug him black fuck. <laughs> plug him black in god damn Oh, horrible. And we see their friend across the street going through the bullshit Rube Goldberg, <laughs> yeah, Rube Goldberg machine. Fucking Goldberg's gonna come out and fucking slam them or some shit like that. No. They go through the damn Rube... <laughs> fucking A! No, it's happening in Transylvania, I guess, but who knew they fucking... Fucking... Spucking? Spucking? What the hell? Spreckens you fucking fucking... Or maybe he's in a single ferret fam- ferret. He's in a single ferret family. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Or at least some concentration. Ch- can't fucking talk. And he's gonna go and fucking feed on them and turn them into women because hey, Dracula can't turn them into women. Really? Oh.